What value does newly signed T.Y. Hilton hold in FFPC best ball drafts right now? What AFC South running back should you think about selling high on in Dynasty Leagues before it's too late? And is there a sleeper receiver that just signed who everyone is seemingly ignoring right now? Plus, three-team 2020 FFPC Dynasty fantasy football champion Alan Greenberg hops aboard to talk about a third-year breakout sleeper in the AFC West, the Dallas tight end situation, and much, much more, I promise you. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Episode 501 of the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you, Quiet Hollers. Remember, always, to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs listening around the world. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It is, as always, presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host, is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I will never say this is a dead time of year. This is a down time of year. This is a time of year when we're not that busy with fantasy football because with the FFPC, with your KFFSE, which you can check out at KFFSE.com, it is a year-round thing. However, I have been able to clear out my DVR within the last eh, month or so, right around there, and I finally got a chance to watch the latest Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I am going to not say my judgment on this movie because I know how you feel about it. And you had a positive feeling about this movie. Can you tell the listeners what you thought about the latest Tarantino uh, venture? Well, I thought it was wonderful. It combined, uh, you know, Balky from your generation. It combines Hollywood's greatest talent and thought Pitt and uh, DiCaprio played off uh, of each other beautifully. The movie's uh, about a, a number of things. I loved, from the agent's perspective, I loved Pacino's contribution in the movie. I thought that oh, was tremendous. Yeah. But from the, um, you know, you've got two guys here. You've got uh, Brad Pitt, who is uh, not successful, but very, very comfortable in his own skin. And you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who is at the uh, close to the highest level of the industry, but feels uh, as a complete failure and is riddled with self-doubt. And uh, 
I found the movie to be very, very compelling. It's also because I lived through that period. And if you didn't like it, then I'm going to ask you to revisit it. But it's the kind of film, like all Tarantino films, probably you really need to see that one in a theater box. I, I, and I didn't, which was my fault because this was, I DVR'd it in the COVID um, uh, era and I ended up watching it in my basement, which I, I don't want to build up my basement, but I, I do, I, I have the ability to set my, my basement to a movie theater like aspect, which I, I enjoyed. And I, and that's how I watched it. Um, you mentioned DiCaprio, you mentioned Pitt. I thought Pacino was great. As you said, I thought Bruce Dern, even though he's in just one scene of it was, was awesome. Margot Robbie was great. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I am a big Quentin Tarantino fan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jules McLean, who has, has played in the FFPC for, for many years, is very close to Quentin Tarantino. So I, I feel like that's kind of poisoned me a little. Well, not poisoned me, but it's infected me in a good way um, to, to liking a lot of the stuff that Tarantino's made, whether it's Pulp Fiction, whether it's Inglorious Bastards, whether it's the Kill Bill series. Like, I just, I love it all. And I kind of made up my mind going into this that I was going to like this movie. And I, was still, I thought it was still tremendous. I loved it. It was great. I'd watch it again. It is a bit of an epic. It's the better part of a three-hour, um, a three-hour tour into movie cinematic history. And one of the things I always like about uh, Quentin Tarantino's movies, he always has this revisionist history sort of aspect to it. And yeah. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And this is how I've been catching up on, or this is one of the things I, I, I've been able to do in catching up to my non-fantasy football uh, parts of, of my world. We are going to get into the um, fantasy football parts of my world and your world tonight, Farrell, as we delve into the latest in free agency. We talk Dynasty Fantasy Football with Alan Greenberg. That's all coming up on tonight's show. As a reminder, Dynasty Orphans, if you want to pick up an orphan team as cheap as $1, they're going off at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. You want to start fresh on a dynasty? Dynasty startups are going on at myffpc.com slash dynasty. If you don't want to, you know, capture a uh, fantasy football team that's going to be an epic, that's going to go on for many, many years, best ball drafts going on right now at myffpc.com, as low as $5. And don't forget, the Football Guys Players Championship is open right now. $500,000 are first, $100,000 are second. The early bird is live. You can get a $35 team credit on that. If you want to play in the KFFSC, which Farrell runs, which I participate in, Go ahead, get in, kffc.com. There's plenty of draft masters close to filling right there. Not to mention, Farrell, big announcement here that we're making on the HSFF Hour. The Run to Daylight Championship open for registration this weekend at kffc.com, and it will be drafting next month as well as May. That is a, that's a big deal. I mean, we're, we're talking about a four-figure grand prize there, and, and I, I was lucky enough I didn't do the run to daylight. Well, I mean, I did the run to, day, to, to daylight, but I, <laughs> I cashed in on the checkered flag. That was my big win last year. But the run to daylight, low investment, high payout. Yeah, $5,000, bulky, limited to 96 teams, $200 entry fee, uh, a great way to uh, have live drafts and manage those teams throughout the year. And, you know, that came out of covid realization that people were sitting at home the draft was upcoming we wanted to get busy with it uh it was more popular than i thought it would ever be and uh, people want it back so we'll be back with it and uh, it has a certain uh, kentucky flavor to the names of the 
uh, eight divisions of the 12 uh, opponents. And, and I think people from around the country will get a, a, a big feel and a, a lot of fun for that. It was good competition uh, and a great way to uh, – a great way to draft while and, and around the NFL draft madness that is forthcoming as well. Well, I can guarantee you this. Uh, Eric Balkman will be participating in that run yeah. to daylight again this year. Had a blast with it last year. Always fun to draft in a big competition this early on. It is going to be a blast. So check that out. KFFSC.com. Starting uh, Saturday, you'll be able to register for that for drafts going off in both April and May. All right, let's get to tonight's Fantasy Flash. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sport at Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Kicking things off in New York, Tevin Coleman is the newest New York Jet, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. He signs a one-year deal with New York, this according to Ian Rappaport on Twitter. The deal is worth all the way up to $2 million dollars. Uh, Tevin Coleman, if you remember, already has familiarity with the coaching staff there as he was in San Francisco with uh, the Jets' new head coach, Robert Sala, as well as their new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. There is not a lot of uh, running backs to speak of in the uh, New York Jets' backfield right now. You look at um, LaMichael Pirine, I beg your pardon, Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, eh, they're a bunch of um, guys, but there's no real names there. Tevin Coleman is the name. Tevin Coleman, you think about his success in Atlanta. I know he got kind of railroaded with um, with his injuries in San Francisco. But, Farrell, if you look at where he's going, again, this is over the last five days in best ball drafts in the FFPC, and we thank uh, Darren Armani for running FantasyMojo.com, who provides this ADP data to us. Tevin Coleman, running back 75, uh, going on average at the 24-25 turn as early as the 19th round. Farrell, if you're drafting Tevin Coleman, are you drafting him as like a third-string guy as a backup? Or how realistic is the opportunity for him to start in New York this year? I've always wondered, Balky, what this player could do with 200-plus carries. You know, we he played collegiately right up the road in Bloomington. He was a Hoosier and uh, – it, it, it was it was an enjoyable player to watch. He's got that one step cut, uh, and, and he'll settle in here. This is a zone blocking, uh, zone uh, rushing scheme, and uh, you know that requires a player that can really uh, make quick moves at the point of attack. Uh, I remember when he was in Atlanta, he caught a lot of balls. Uh, you look at the number and you'd say, wow, I think he caught more passes than that. But he caught memorable passes. He would make people miss and found the end zone. One year, he had uh, on, on just about 30 catches, he, he ran five of them in for a uh, touchdown. So they were impressive runs. You're right about the other guys. Uh, Pirine is a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole in this offense. Uh, Ty Johnson is uh, – uh, Ty Johnson is certainly more like Coleman, but uh, yeah, the coaching staff believes in Coleman here, and and I uh, I think the drafters that are getting him anywhere uh, between 19 and 25 are getting a real steal. And, and by the time we get to uh, by the time we get to August, by the time we're in Las Vegas live, uh, Tevin Coleman will be on uh, more rosters than not. One of the things I always like to point out in situations like this, you know, you think about when Tevin Coleman went from Atlanta to San Francisco, you think about where yeah. his ADP went. It went way up, and it went way up fast. Right. That's not always the prime time to buy. Now you see him going from San Francisco 
to New York, and it's gone way, way down, now might be the time to buy. You lower expectations, but um, you increase the draft value on that, too. So something to keep in mind with Tevin Coleman. I do want to keep talking about running backs here. I know we're going to talk about receivers here. Maybe we'll get back to it in a little bit. But Damian Williams, the guy who said, hey, guys, I'm back. I know I opted out of 2020, but I'm going to play with the Chiefs in 2021. And the Chiefs said, ah, not so fast, my friend, doing their best Lee Corso impression. And they released him. He has found a new home in Chicago. It is a one-year deal with the Bears, once again, according to Ian Rappaport on Twitter. Now, he also has familiarity with the Bears coaching staff. Bill Lazor, who's the offensive coordinator there, Damian Williams worked with him in Miami, and he also knows the offensive scheme that Matt Nagy has established in Chicago when they were together in Kansas City. Now, what's interesting about this is David Montgomery has been everybody's darling in 2021, given how he finished the end of the season. It was awesome. In fact, only four running backs in 2020 had more total opportunity uh, touches, that's rushing attempts plus targets, than David Montgomery. And obviously, not only did his touches go up at the end of last season, um, the matchups that he had at the end of the year were very, very juicy as well. In fact, J.D. McKissick, the big pass-catching running back out of the Washington football team, was the only running back to run more pass routes than David Montgomery in all of 2020. Something to keep in mind here. In addition to Damian Williams coming into Chicago, Tariq Cohen was out early last year with a significant injury. He's going to be back. So I think, Farrell, the, 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 the thing I take away from this with Damian Williams coming into Chicago, I am totally off David Montgomery at his current ADP. And I'll tell you this right now, in FFPC drafts over the last five days in, in best ball drafts, David Montgomery is still going as running back 20 at the 311. This is going ahead of Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and Kareem Hunt. I'm down on David Montgomery significantly, but Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, as late-round stabs in best ball leagues, this makes a lot of sense. That's how I feel about the Bears running back situation. How do you feel about it? I think that's a knee-jerk reaction, Balkan. I think you're wrong. You know, I got a... uh, uh, a player that plays in Las Vegas, KFFSC, he sent me a text. He said it's chaos to a confused situation in the backfield. And and, and I think a little differently at this. Um, you know, when Montgomery wasn't on the field for Chicago, who did they have in the backfield? They had 84 uh, Patterson. 84. Quarter L. Patterson. Well, yeah. Well, he's not a running back. And, uh, you know, <laughs> then they started the season with Cohen, and, and yes, he did get hurt. But even when Cohen's in the backfield, he's not a running back either. I think he's been miscast for the entire time that he's in the NFL. I always think that the defense uh, sits a little bit back on their heels when they see Montgomery go to the sidelines. Now with Williams, you've got a real threat who is also a running back and and a, a very, very good running back. Here's a player that delivered the Super Bowl win. You know, when someone needed to step up against the 49ers, uh, Mahomes didn't carry it all on his back. He delivered that Super Bowl win at the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a very, very good player that is going to have enough opportunities to be of value to us in fantasy football. But his effect on Montgomery is he's going to help wear down the opposition, give the opposition something else to deal with. I think that Montgomery, it might be slightly less in this offense with touches, the, the beloved touches uh, that we all look for in fantasy football, 
but the quality of that, those opportunities will increase uh, because of Williams. What it does to Cohen, I think Cohen goes to the slot and becomes that slot player. And I think if you get Williams and Montgomery on the field together, that's where Montgomery might have the uh, the option to shine in a situation where he's never had. So if Montgomery were to fall amongst some of those other guys that you, that you uh, mentioned, I think he's a better pick today than those guys. And, boy, I think he'd be a big value if he begins to fall because of this. Yeah, and Farrell, I, and while we maybe disagree on David Montgomery, I think we agree on Damian Williams. Now, again, this oh, yes. ADP that I'm going to cite here is is antiquated. It, it's going to change because he had just signed within the last 36 hours here with the Bears. But he was going as running back 60 on average in the uh, at the turn of the 20th round and 21st round. Super, mm. super late. Um, and, and I think you make some good, you know, I, I think it was NBC Sports Edge was, was talking about, like, he is going to be a very popular zero RB selection this year. And I'm down with that. You know, like he, he's already, he should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Um, he, he was awesome. And, and I think that when he comes back with, again, one less year of tread on his tires than every other running back in the league, that's going to help him. He comes into a situation with Matt Nagy, who, you know, say what you will about him, but he's been very, very smart as far as how to deploy his best weapons on offense with or without a quarterback. So you get Damian Williams in the latter teens of best ball drafts right now, I think you're doing it the right way. And uh, I'm certainly on him there uh, for sure. Um, We have much more to discuss here on the Fantasy Flash. We're going to get to it a little bit later on in the program. You want to talk about T.Y. Hilton, him coming back to the Colts, catching passes from Carson Wentz. You want to talk about Jameis Winston, his possibility of maybe being the starting quarterback in New Orleans. We will get to that shortly. But before we do, I want to bring in tonight's guest right now, ladies and gentlemen. He is a longtime fantasy, dynasty, football, and baseball player, basically since the early 1990s. This is when I was watching Seinfeld Friends and News Radio, Farrell, on NBC (laughs) Musty TV. He's primarily been in high-stakes dynasty football, but he is a multiple winner in not only FFPC Dynasty, but the FFPC main event the FFPC Football Guys Players Championship over the last several years. He's here to talk about how he garnered all that success in the FFPC. Please welcome in Alan Greenberg onto the show. Alan, good evening, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing excellent. Okay? We're, uh, we're, very, we're very thankful that you could come on tonight uh, on, on a Thursday and, and uh, talk a little Dynasty Fantasy Football. We'll get into some redraft, too. We want to pick your brain, Alan, because you're a very accomplished high-stakes fantasy football player. Before we get into that fantasy football portion of the interview tonight, can you tell the listeners a, a little bit what you're doing for a living over on the east coast of the country? Well, yeah, I live up here in uh, Hamden, Connecticut. I am a mortgage loan originator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been mortgage- in mortgages for about 24 years now. I have three boys. Um, Wow. 16, 18, and 24. Uh, just actually finished a free fantasy baseball draft with my boys that they, they got me in, and uh, that was fun. That's a couple, <laughs> about an hour of uh, a fantasy baseball drafting. I have no idea who the players are in the fantasy baseball leagues this year, so <laughs> I didn't do any fantasy baseball drafts this year, so I'm pretty clueless there, but uh, football's my thing. But yes, that's uh, I'm, you know, I'm up here in Hamden. I've been in Connecticut for for almost all my life. So, 
you know what's funny about that is the re- the whole reason, and at Farrell, I don't even know this, but the whole reason we're doing this show, I've been a, a part of a um, a long time. Actually, it's it's a bunch of guys in New Hampshire I, I've been playing fantasy baseball with for the better part of two decades now. And um, we always we have an NL-only league, we have an AL-only league, and we have a mixed league. And the reason we're doing the show on a Thursday uh, instead of a Friday this week is because they could not – um, move the AL only league around uh, to accommodate me. Uh, so I have to do the AL only league tonight, or, or uh, beg your pardon, Friday night. That's when I'll be doing it. And Alan, the great thing about it is, well, number one, I don't own Eloy Jimenez in my in that keeper league, which is great news for me. Um, and then number two, I've never been a big Red Sox guy. You, it, it's insane. I, and I don't know if this this is this is how it is for you in Connecticut if you're in any local league. It's insane how many people in the northeastern part of the country will bid uh, crazy amounts of um, auction dollars on Boston Red Sox players. I've been feasting on yeah, this I, league for years because of that. I'm in I'm in the like the middle area where there's there's a combination of Yankee fans and Red Sox fans, and I am I am the low tier of the Met fan. So I'm I'm the Met guy, but most of the Yankee fans and Red Sox fans are fighting, and uh, and we're like right in the middle. We're here, Connecticut's kind of like a little bit away from Boston, but still close enough to New York. So that's where you know we kind of get a little bit of both. So the Yankee guys get drafted early, you know, but you know in the, in the baseball drafts it's weird. It's it's, it's not an ox kind of like a snake draft I just did. Um, you know, Mike Trout's up in there and Ronald right. Acuna and all those guys, but. I mean, after the third round, I, I didn't even know who I was drafting. I had no idea. <laughs> I, that's how much I have followed baseball this past year. So well, you've earned, you earned your stripes as a football yeah. guy, Alan. That's exactly yeah. who you are. You know, I, I, I've I actually uh, started. Go ahead. I started as a, as a baseball guy way back, uh-huh. you know, in the early 90s, you know, when they when used to make trades over the phone. They used to actually call each other up over the phone and make a trade. Now you do it all, you know, emails and, and trade proposals. And we used to have battles over the phone about who I should give up for this guy, like real GMs, you know, but, but it was fun back then. You know, we, we didn't have internet. We didn't have all that stuff. So, but that was, that was way back. I started with baseball and now I converted over to football. And once you go to football, you can't go back, you know, so it's tough. There's a level of excitement there. Let me ask you a question. Is your this will be my last baseball question? I promise. The is your baseball leagues are they set a lineup daily or do you pick that pitching staff for the whole week? Yeah, I mean, you know, I like the weekly, um, but my son put me into a, a daily lineup. I'm never going to be able to follow that. I love daily that. Uh, He's great. Baseball, I love that. Baseball, I love you. That. I mean, for for the full season, I'm going to have to work. You know. So, I mean, yeah. there's no way – I mean, football is good because it's, you know, it's one day a week, sometimes two days a week at a night. You can be, Baseball, you have every day, you know, all these yeah, games. Sure. And I can't make all these moves before, before all these games. It's crazy. So, I think baseball well, kind of took too much of my time. Football takes enough of my time. So, you know, even on the yeah. off season. But, um, but yeah, so, so baseball is tough, the daily, especially the daily moves. The weekly moves, well, you know, when you have bid auctions and all that, those are fine. But the, the daily moves are tough. You have been making the right moves in football for a while, and I, I bless Balky every time he brings on you great dynasty players from the FFPC because I'm drafting in my first dynasty here shortly after the NFL draft, and and, and I'm going to take everything you say to the bank. And I am going to come okay. to you the first question 
This is theoretical. Sure. Um, Derrick Henry, massive carry seasons, 300-plus seasons. Um, you know, in Kentucky, we, you know, we're horse racing state. We we have lines like you don't want to shoot the horse that won the race and that type of thing. How could anyone consider moving Derrick Henry? Uh, if you were to move him, what would you get from him or for him? And if you were to trade him, is that something that you would do? If you had Henry on a roster right now, would you be looking to gain draft capital or other players for a player like this? It's funny that you you bring him as the first name up because that Henry, I was probably I was in twenty leagues this past year. I had him in eighteen of them. I had oh, him in every wow. league, almost every league. I have Henry in every single league, and I was winning pretty much every single league. Uh, it I didn't win every single league, but I, I, was, I was winning. Uh, because of him and and a couple of the other guys that I picked, Justin Jefferson. But I think that Henry, I, I, I traded him in three or four leagues already, and I'm going to probably trade him in a couple more leagues just so I'm not over-invested in him. But I love Henry. He's my favorite player in the NFL. He's the smash mouth, you know, running back that, you know, brings me back to the to the 80s and the 70s. And, the, and he's running backs that yeah. really, I mean, he's just like a monster. And I so love you won't be moving him. But but if you I moved him already, and I will move him a couple more times. But I'll move him what for did some you younger get? guys. Maybe what I did you trade him that? in one league for Cam Akers, um, uh, one oh. one on one, one to one Cam Akers. Yeah, for sure. I get yeah. no, and, 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 so, and this is for, Alan. This makes perfect sense to me because it, because I think that how many times you know take take away the type of running back that Derrick Henry is. How many times do you see a running back have the achievements he did in 2019 and 2020 and continue that success? Rob Vieira, who is a long time, uh, he's been on the show uh, probably two or three times, and he always said, like, I'm always about in Dynasty, I'm always about acquiring assets that are ascending, not stagnating or not descending. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and, and this is interesting to hear because, what I hear from you is I love Derrick Henry. Uh, he is one of my favorite players to watch. He's my favorite player in the NFL. That said, I'm not opposed to moving him. In fact, I've traded him several times already. And I think that is one of the things that we talked about this last week, Farrell, on, uh, with, uh, with Josh Batcher. Like, you have to separate uh-huh. your emotions from this because you understand what Derrick okay. Henry's achieved so far. But, Alan, it's, it's not about what he's done for you. It's what he's going to do for you. And I think that had to have a lot to do with why you flipped him one one for one, Henry for Cam Akers, right? Yeah, I, I think I actually traded him for the one one in a in a rookie draft. Figured I'm oh, getting boy. Najee Harris, um, or you know, or at the end, or one of the two guys. I I, I figure you know, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to get younger in some of these leagues. You now I'm a little bit a uh, little bit getting to a point where I need to get some younger guys in the team. So I try to go through my teams and try to see where I can get younger in certain areas. And Henry still has that, you know, that, that huge value to him that some of these guys are like, yeah, I'll give it up for Henry. But, you know, next year he, he has a little off season. People think he's on the downturn. They might not give as much for him. So I figure you'd trade him at a high. Um, it's, it kills me to trade him because I love him. But uh, in the same sense, uh, you try to get something for your – in Dynasty. 
I would still take him in the top five picks in a, in a, in a redraft league. I'd still take mm-hmm. him for next year. I still think he's going to be a beast. But as far as dynasty goes, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, consider moving him if you're over-invested in him. I promise you and the listeners, Alan, uh, that we're going to get more into running backs, especially Cam Akers, later on in our interview. I want to shift the focus to tight ends just very briefly. Mark Andrews was a guy that I think a lot of people were – after Kittle was off the board, after Kelsey was off the board, a lot of people both in the FFPC and the KFFSD were taking Mark Andrews as the number three tight end off the board. He was a letdown, and I know this because I drafted him in several leagues last year, <laughs> and I was yeah. not happy with his performance. But as far as 2021 goes, Alan, how confident are you in a Mark Andrews bounce back? I actually like him a lot this year. Uh, I think he's actually getting uh, going down pretty far in the draft boards as far as the first few dynasty leagues that I've been in. And I think, you know, he, I think, didn't he have COVID? He had COVID. He was diagnosed yes. positive for COVID. So he missed a week or two um, in there. He still had seven or eight touchdowns, 700 yards, 800 yards. Um, still gets a ton of reception, still has um, – Lamar loves throwing to him. I mean, Lamar doesn't throw to many guys, but he loves throwing to Mark Andrews. Um, I, I, to, I would take him. I mean, I think he's going to drop enough to where if you can get him, you know, say third, fourth round, um, then i would pick him up. I mean, I wouldn't go up to the second round or anything like that to take him. But I think once Kelsey's off the board and Kittle's off the board um, – you know, I actually saw him go before Kittle in one of my drafts. So mm-hmm. um, I still think he's 25 years old. Uh, I I think he's still got a lot of value. And I think that it's a this is a good time to take him. You know, it's a time when he people are a little down on him. Um, you might pick him up, uh, and, and and he comes back and has a great season again. But I think that that offense there is is, is tricky because they don't they don't throw the ball a lot. Lamar runs the ball a lot. They're a running team, um, but when he does throw, he loves throwing to him. So. It's a good point. They got started very, very slow in the year. Then Andrews uh, tested positive and missed a game. They had some problems, and it came on well at the end there. I, I got to ask you. Uh, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still hungover from the Super Bowl, and it was not all good, man. It was Miko Hardman. You know, I think it's a hard, hard way for. Uh, fantasy players to win if they're counting on Hardman to do anything. And I also, you know, I can't get out the fact that he had two catches early and never had anything else in the Super Bowl. You know, is there any hope? Am I not seeing the value in this player? Uh, you know, the Chiefs drafting in the second round, I have my eye on a player that I hope they draft late, a wide receiver that I'd love to see them draft late, a rookie wide receiver. So, what you know is there a chance that the Chiefs were right about Hardman and that he could have the kind of year that would make him a steal in either format, redraft or the uh, or yeah? The I dynasty? think I think you know what, what Watkins and and Robinson likely won't be coming back. Um, Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. So you you have a couple holes there, and I think Hardman. Although he's a very similar player to Tyreek Hill, um, they, they like handing the ball off to him, the end of rounds, and, and, and the return game, and the speed. He's got a very similar game to Tyreek, uh, except for he doesn't catch the ball as well as Tyreek does. 
Uh, no. doesn't have the hands that Tyreek has. So um, I think they like him, but I think he's very similar to Tyreek, and I think they probably want to draft a, a bigger guy if they're going to get somebody in the draft uh, or, or find somebody that's a, a little bit of a, a bigger receiver. Uh, but mm-hmm. in, in the same time, I don't know. I, I, I don't I, – I love him as far as a player is. I like his return game. I like the fact that he could return a punt maybe, or maybe getting him on your roster near the end of the drafts just so in case, you know, Rick gets, gets hurt or, or or whatever. But, you know, you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you have Kelsey, you have a yeah. lot of weapons, you have, you have guys that are there. But I think if the other two guys don't come back, I think you might get a little bit of an opportunity to, to, to give them some – I don't think they've given them enough of an opportunity. I don't think they've given them the th- that you said that because I, I don't – I've never equated him with the same skill set as Hill. I, I look at him closer. But, you know – uh, it seems that this general manager perhaps has expected that wide receivers would be the path to his door because they want to play with Patrick Mahomes, but nobody's signing. None of the wide receivers are signing in, in Kansas City, and I was thinking maybe that's either an indication that this player is going to get his chance or that they still maybe. really believe in this player uh, because uh, <laughs> we're, we're down to precious few free agent wide receivers. And all of them are going other places uh, except uh, Kansas City and being a teammate with Mahomes. So I think you, guys are, I think you are lining up with them. Farrell, yeah. who was the guy? Was it and, – and maybe we'll get into it later on in the show. I, I just I, – and I've been reading so much about free agency lately that it's all turned into mush. Who was the guy oh. that said – and you might know this. Who was the guy who said that the Chiefs offered him good money but he decided to not sign with them, and he signed with a different team. Was that Hilton? Was that DeMarcus? Well, or not DeMarcus. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, who was that? I think it was Hilton. I think it was Davis. You think of either one of those players, um, and, and we'll talk more about them later, but did you think what signing at Kansas City would have done to their draft position? Uh, right, yeah. How fascinating. You know, they may have talked to Galladay, too. Uh, Galladay's deal with New York Giants a very very team friendly deal so uh, he was he was affordable to stay wagging that flag of 18 million you've, you've got to jump through some hoops to get to that number so yeah I think Allen's right I think that the general manager and Allen have the same opinion about this player which means that I may have to change mine <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not about what we think it's all about reacting to what the powers that be think. That's what I've realized yeah. playing fantasy football for, for you know two-plus decades or whatever it is. Um, we are talking with Alan Greenberg, a guy who has won three high-stakes FFPC dynasty drafts in the last year alone. He's already won an FFPC main event league, already won a Football Guys Players Championship League. I told the listeners we would get back to Cam Akers. We're going to circle back to him right now, Alan. He's been going right at that turn, the 112, the 201, that's in redraft leagues, okay? So I, I, want, I want to pose this question to you in a dynasty framework. How many running backs would you rather have in dynasty over Cam Akers at this moment in time? Not, not too many, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I have – he's 21 years old. I'm going to be 22 by the, season, by the time the season starts. But still, he's younger than Najee Harris, who's coming out as a rookie. Right. Um, he's he's uh, he's going to be a stud. You got Matt Stafford there now. Uh, you're going to have 
guys like Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs maybe get drafted before him. I don't think they deserve to be drafted before him. Um, obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Saquon and, and Christian McCaffrey, those guys are going to go in the top of the draft. Um, you're, you're Dalvin Cook and your and you're Alvin Kamara. But after that group, uh, Cam's there. I mean, you have Cam, you have Derrick Henry. Um, and the other guys I mentioned, I, I think with the amount of running backs going in the first round of dynasty drafts right now, in the startup dynasty drafts, uh, you have out of the 12 picks, you have 10 running backs off the board. I mean, you know, you, have, you maybe have Justin Jefferson and, and Travis Kelsey, and those are the only two guys that are not running backs that are going off the board in the first round. So I think Cam's a, a pickup, and I think if you're going to pick him, pick him in the top top ten. I don't I don't see why not. Uh, I uh, like I said I tra- I traded Derrick Henry straight up for him uh, in one of my leagues, uh, and I'm taking him. And if he's there, if I'm at ten, if I'm at eleven, I'm taking him, and he's there. Uh, any he's chance he'll any chance he'll be there at seven in a in a dynasty startup? Yeah, seven, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Right. I, it just depends about who else drops. You know, if Dalvin Cook drops a little bit more, I'd probably still take him. I, I'm i I'm down on Alvin Kamara, so I think, you know, if Cam Akers and Alvin Kamara are still there, I think I might take Cam. That's that's kind of a little <laughs> bit of an upset pick. But I, I, I'm, I'm down on a few guys, and I think um, Cam is one of those guys that I'm overdrafting. I love it. Well, I, I pick seventh. So that's why I asked. It's all yeah, self-interest question there. So, yeah. you know, I could call and you later not, and do this, but you know, the listeners, I want them to hear, you know. Somebody somebody in the league with me is going to draft him sixth now. I've ruined the whole thing. <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> let, let, me ask you, let me ask you about something that I've been curious about. And this is not the bright spot of the Dallas Cowboys last year. Uh, there, you know, C.D. Lamb was obviously one, but but Dalton Schultz uh, was impressive to me last year, playing with the Duke's mixture of quarterbacks. Uh, it, you know, you're, you mentioned young players. This player's already got two years in the league, and uh, maybe three, and he's 24 years old. Stanford, so you know, you think he's got something going on upstairs. He's he comes in sixty three catches this year. Not a lot of yardage, but sixty three catches, a few touchdowns. He's being completely ignored. Well, not yeah. completely, but he's going in the twentieth rounds of the best balls. Where Blake Jarwin is still getting drafted in front of him. Blake Jarwin's been around four years, two years older. Fifty nine catches. Schultz more catches last year than Jarwin his whole career. Uh, why is this player ignored, uh, in, in, and should he be the kind of – is he the kind of sleeper – this is my real question – is he the kind of sleeper in a dynasty that you look for, young and productive? Um, maybe if Dallas does give the job to Jarwin, uh, Schultz will land somewhere else and be productive, but I think Schultz makes a run for that job in Dallas, and I'd like to know – your opinion i think i think he's dropping more because of the uncertainty of who they're going to start over there i mean Jar- mm-hmm. jarwin coming back from the injury uh schultz i mean they're different kind of players i mean jarwin's more of a speed tight end where where, where schultz is a is a bigger bulkier guy more of a prototypical tight end uh the, the thing with there I mean, they have so many weapons i mean they have cooper and lamb and gallup and 
and, and Zeke, you have so many guys yeah. there. I think that people are just uncertain with who they're going to actually pick. So they're, they're going for the teams that have a, a definite starter at tight end that they can, you know, kind of count on. You know, uh, I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be picking, uh, I wouldn't be picking Dalton Schultz ahead of, you know, Noah Font or TJ Hawkinson oh, or, no. or guys that are, you know, that are obviously uh, have the jobs in their, in their, in, on their teams. I think that the problem is uh, he's dropping in these drafts and Jarwin's maybe going ahead of him because maybe Jarwin has a little bit more of an upside, but I, I like Schultz. I would take him in a late round as maybe a number three tight end um, on my team, but I wouldn't be taking him as the guy I'm going to start. And I, neither, oh. I wouldn't take Jarwin either. Uh, I don't think that there's enough of a, I don't think there's enough, you know, footballs to go around to, to, to get both of those guys on rosters and give them enough time. But I think with Dak, Dak has a little bit of a connection with Darwin. He threw to him for a couple of years there. So I think that you have uh, – I think Darwin, uh, Darwin might have more, more, more upside. Uh, but either way, I, I'm, I'm staying away from both guys. Okay. Talking with uh, Alan Greenberg, ladies and gentlemen, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week, won three FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Leagues last year. Already – is a champion, a league champ in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. We talked a little bit about A.J. Green on this program last week, uh, Alan. What I want to to sort of pick your brain about is the fact that A.J. Green is now in Arizona. How does that affect DeAndre Hopkins? And, And feel free to answer this from a redraft standpoint. Feel free to answer it from a dynasty standpoint. Is this impact that A.J. Green has on Hopkins minimal? Is it significant? Is it huge? How do you view it in Arizona? I don't think he has any, to be honest. I mean, I, I like to hear him as a player. I, I don't think he has any. Uh, I think Fitz retires. Uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire. A.J. Green is going to basically take that spot of maybe the, you know, that guy that he throws down, you know, you know over the middle for, for a couple yards. But Hopkins is the guy. Uh, you know, you still have Kirk there. Uh I don't know. With Drake signing elsewhere, you might have some more uh, balls available that you know it might be you know short uh, passes over the middle over to Green. But I don't think Green is anywhere near the player that he was. And I wouldn't I wouldn't draft him at all in a uh, in a dynasty league. Maybe in a in a redraft league, I would I would put him near the end of my roster. But I'm not gonna have enough confidence in him to start him. So uh, unless Hopkins gets hurt, uh, I don't see him being much of a, a of a factor at all over there. That's my opinion, but that's I'm not taking him anywhere. And I don't see him going um, in, in a lot of these leagues until, you know, the late teens anyway, so as far as drafts. So I, I think you're you're okay with not uh, with not picking him up, and, and you'll be fine. I don't think that you'll be burned by him. I've been burned by him so many times in the past with putting him <laughs> having right. him as my number one. You know, I, I just um, – I would stay away from him. That's that's my thought. I am looking for a third or fourth running back in um, uh, in these best ball drafts, and and quite often I, I've looked to Miami because I, I like Miles Gaskin. I like yeah. even in the late twenties, I've always liked Malcolm Brown. But I wonder, even though Miami could use some great help pass rush in the draft. I wonder if they're eyeing uh, certain running backs, rookies uh, for the draft that, that you, uh, you've you already mentioned one of them here tonight. 
Is, is there a safe bet in the Miami backfield? Is there anything that um, – is there is there a player there that you would see holding on to or, or drafting very, very late uh, in Dynasty that could be the type player that would be a uh, – a waiver wire pickup as we go through redraft leagues. Uh, so I'm looking, I'm asking you to get out that crystal ball again, Alan. I, I need that. <laughs> yeah, if you notice, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm doing okay in single rounds of the drafts. What I'm trying to do is right. find an edge in the double digits. And, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm looking at Gaskin. I'm looking at Malcolm Brown. I'm wondering if I should be looking at either one of them. Uh, Gaskin definitely. I think Gaskin showed a lot the uh, last year. Uh, I don't. I I don't think they need to draft uh, a top running back. I think Gaskin can be the guy there. Um, he showed a lot of burst. He showed uh, some some really good uh, out of the backfield catches for for big time gains. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he had four or five receptions almost every game. It felt like, uh, and he just. I think he can be the guy there. If they don't get a, a, a number one, uh, Najee Harris or, or Travis Etienne, or one of the big guys, uh, Javante Williams, one of the guys that are coming out from from the from college, I think that he can be the guy. And I, what I've been doing in, in a couple of my dynasty leagues and some early trading is picking him up for a second or third, future second or third round pick, um, you know, rookie pick. Just picking him up for nothing. They figuring they're everybody's figuring he's going to be. He's going to be a backup to whoever they draft, and if they don't draft anybody, then he's the guy. So it's a it's a guy that you can definitely take a chance on. Um, it depends upon when you're drafting. If you're drafting it before or after the draft. Um, if you're drafting before the draft and you're not sure what's going to happen in Miami, it's not a bad idea to to, to maybe take a flyer on him uh, as your number three or number four running back. Uh, I have him. I've traded for him in several different leagues uh, and. You know, picked them up for just some guys that needed to drop some guys to, to get down to their, their 16 you know, limit, limit. And they're like, well, what do you want for Gaskin? He's like, well, I'll take a second. We'll give you a third. We'll take it. So, I mean, it's, and we're talking about a third rookie pick, which is really worth nothing. Uh, and I think that that's it's a worthy pickup for a guy that might, you know, might have a lot of time. You were talking about Tevin Coleman earlier. Same thing. You might see a guy that, you know, has a lot of playing time where, you know, you wouldn't normally think about it. Uh, but if you need a number three or number four, Gaskin's a guy. I, I don't like Malcolm Brown at all. I didn't like him in, in the, with the Rams, and I don't like him here either. He's, he's not bad out of the backfield with a couple of receptions, but I think Gaskin fills that role pretty well himself. Yeah, to me, yeah, I think you're right, Alan. I mean, the Gaskin, clear. if, if you're talking about Gaskin and Brown in a vacuum, Gaskin clearly – has the higher upside. And if Miami does not take a running back on, you know, day one or day two of the draft, it's going to be because they have Gaskin and not because they have Malcolm Brown. Um, I do want to get to some questions from some uh, listeners tonight. I think we only, we may only have time for one here and I'm going to go to the chat room here tonight. And it's our good buddy, Hudson Kern Reeve. He wants to know, he's asking about um, Kenyon Drake and what his role is going to be um, for the Raiders this year. So, Alan, I'm going to pitch this to you first, and then, Farrell, I want you to weigh in on this because I know you are a big Raiders fan. But Kenyon Drake, apparently, according to a report in The Athletic today, uh, Kenyon Drake said that he's going to be told he's uh, going to be spending time not just at running back, but at receiver this year. The quote from Kenyon Drake, 
Coach Gruden said that he was going to use me in a multitude of ways, playing receiver, playing running back. Just having the ability to use my versatility as a weapon in the open field is something that really spoke to me. So you look at what Oakland, or uh, beg your pardon, Las Vegas, they targeted wideouts last year, a league low 43%. Um, Drake was in Arizona for a year and a half after his trade for Miami. He only got just under six yards per catch there. You would like to think that um, he is going to have the opportunity to break out as far as a PPR perspective in Las Vegas. So, Alan, you look at Kenyon Drake signing with Las Vegas. Are you buying into their support that he's going to be used at receiver, that maybe his receptions, maybe his targets are going to go up this year? Or are you tempering your enthusiasm on Kenyon Drake, knowing that he's going to be splitting that backfield with Josh Jacobs? Um, yeah, I, that was a strange pickup. Um, that was a strange signing in my, in my mind. I, I felt like, I mean, first of all, Josh Jacobs is the guy there. I don't think that they're going to not – have him as the workhorse. Uh, I think Drake will probably fill in that Kareem Hunt type of role for the Chiefs mm. in a way of coming in on third down maybe every once in a while. But Jacobs is not bad out of the backfield. He does get a, b- a bunch of receptions out of the backfield. It's not awful. But I don't think he's um, – I think that it might be a, one of those two-down scenarios like Chubb, Hunt, you know, that type of thing where you have the, the first two downs with, uh, with Jacobs and then bring in Drake for third down. Um, that might work there. Uh, I thought there would have been a lot of better landing spots fantasy-wise for him as far as picking him up and drafting him. As far as football goes, I think maybe the Raiders were looking at, you know, having another speed guy, another receiver out of the backfield, maybe another uh, corner, uh, you know, somebody that's going to get a five- or ten-yard gain on third down. But I, I don't know. I As far as fantasy goes, that really messed up my, my teams that have Josh Jacobs on them because I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now with Jacobs? Do I keep him? Do I trade him? Does his value go down? Uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't like that from a fantasy perspective at all for either player. Balky, do you have any yeah. numbers on how far Jacobs has, has, uh, has dropped? It looks like just a brick since this signing. And, and I am with you, Alan. I think – Drake will be a complimentary player, and his quote brings and sheds some light on that. It looks to me that, you know, the Raiders are very, very hard to predict, but it looks to me that that they are sold and and bought in completely on Josh Jacobs. I think uh, the player Richard is gone, and there's a passing game uh, role that can be filled um, there. And there were times when I thought Richard – uh, that type of player needed to be on the field in games last year, and he wasn't. I don't think. I don't think this was a favorite uh, player of Gruden, and, and Booker got the calls, and and you know, so, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and I think Jacobs is uh, is 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 probably now should be considered a value pick, and and so you'll be hanging on to him. Uh, I guess in Dynasty, his trade value has dropped as well. You'll be hanging on to him, and you expect him to uh, to not lose much in opportunities for next year. I don't think he will, um, but that's my opinion. I think he's going to be the guy. Um, I do but, too. You know, I think there's a there's definitely a, a loss of value there, and trading him now wouldn't be a smart move because I think he's he's you know, going down the. But you really got to see what happens there. Uh, Drake is a, is a different kind of player. Um, 
than Jacobs, and I think Jacobs is still going to be the number one, but um, I wouldn't be trading Jacobs if you have him. I wouldn't be trading for him either because they're going to want too much for him at this point until you know what his role really is. And Drake, Drake lost, uh, I mean, a ton of value. You have guys drafting early before Drake was signed. They're picking Drake in the fifth, sixth round sure. in uh, startup leagues. Now you're talking 10, 11, 12 maybe. You know, it's Balky Hud got any I'll, more questions over there? HKR well, well no, I'll I'll tell you to answer your question, Farrell. I'll tell you this about Josh Jacobs. Over the last five days, um, and again, this some of these drafts happened before the Kenyon Drake signing. But Josh uh, Josh Jacobs ADP in FFPC best balls four hundred one. So he's basically at that three four turn. He has gone as high as the three hundred four. He has fallen as far as the four hundred eight. He is running back wow. twenty one. This is after Najee Harris and David Montgomery. This is right before Travis Etienne and Chris Carson. That is where Jacobs is going right now. I would imagine when we do this show next Friday, Farrell, we might have some modified ADP over the last five days, given the Drake signing, um, to, to see where he's going. Again, this is redraft and, and not dynasty, but that is where Josh Jacobs is, is going right now. And, and I think that, you know, like most of the Raiders um, – skill position players, Farrell, from an annual basis, we will be following this situation deep into the summer. Before we let Alan Greenberg go tonight, Farrell, I do believe you have one more question for him. Well, yeah, because we, we're here. We're, 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 Alan, we're letting you go with this question, and we, you know, I'm getting nervous because we haven't talked about Claypool yet. So I'm trying to figure oh, out how to work him yeah. in. Mr. I, I'm trying to figure out how to work him into this question. And so, you know, obviously if you wanted to acquire someone in your dynasty, it would be Claypool, but if you don't have it, but you know, who would you, who you really want? Who's somebody that maybe you missed on that you really, really want. And who is somebody that uh, you want to deal that you want off your team and so, and the equivalent, should I ignore that player? Uh, for my upcoming Maiden Dynasty run here in early May. I mean, we talked about a few of the guys already. Um, I like Gaskin. As far as receivers, uh, I like uh, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims. Um, I like some of the younger guys. Uh, I think Higgins, uh, without A.J. Green there, and with Burrow coming back, I think he could be a big-time player. I like Claypool as well. Um, I think he's dra- getting drafted a little too high for me at this point with mm. with a couple of guys, you know, with Deontay Johnson and Juju coming back. So I, I don't know about Claypool being a you know a, a guy I would overpay for, but I definitely would want. I'm trying to get some, my you know my my team's a little bit younger, so those are some of the guys I'm trying to pick up. Mims and and uh, you know and the guys I'm getting rid of are, you know, it's it's tough, but I, I'm I'm getting rid of Alvin Kamara, um, and uh, I. I Unfortunately, I think that his time as the number one uh, guy in fantasy as far as running backs is it's over. And, and it's not because of his skill. It's because of who his quarterback's going to be. And uh, I think Drew Brees just dropped down and threw five, six balls, you know, three, three yards over the middle to him. And he got his receptions, and he's you know, probably number one scoring player in Dynasty. And, you know, I don't think he's going to have those opportunities. And I don't think Michael Thomas will either. So I think those two guys, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, are the guys that I'm trying to get rid of. 
Alan, I lied. Last question for you tonight. Now, <laughs> if, if somebody in one of your FFPC Dynasty Leagues proposes to you, if you own, and I don't even know if you own Kamara in any of your leagues, but if you do, yeah. but if somebody proposes to you, hey, I'm going to send you Cam Akers straight up for Alvin Kamara, do you do that deal? Um, you know what? I'd probably try to get a little bit more. But if it, it comes down to it, uh, I think, you know, uh, I think Batty has already probably sent me 17 deals this the last two weeks. He, he talked last <laughs> week about how, he, how many trades he makes and how many offers he makes. Right. Yeah. He, he's, he's a nut. Uh, but anyway, he, I think he, he's probably already offered me that deal. I think I want a little bit more just because I think Kamara is more of a you know, proven commodity. But, um, yeah, if it comes down to it, I'd probably make that deal. Uh, maybe a lot wow. of guys wouldn't. I just think that, you know, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, obviously on the top, but he's going to take a big hit this year. And Cam's going to go in the other direction. And I think that you'll see in the beginning of next year's drafts, Cam will be going before Kamara. And, uh, and that's, you know, it's just the way it is with running backs. They have two, three, four years, five years, and, and then you move on and you, and you try to get younger. And in Dynasty, that's, that's the time. This is the time you make that trade. Because next year, you probably won't be able to make that trade. Ladies and gentlemen who play in Dynasty Fantasy Football who are listening to this podcast, you have now heard back-to-back weeks accomplished multi-league Dynasty winners telling you that Alvin Kamara may not be a guy that you want to own in 2021. Take it under advisement and uh, present it to you without context. You know what you need to do. And uh, certainly looking forward ahead, um, I'm going to have to start looking at dealing. Al- I don't own Alvin Kamara in a lot of leagues, but I own him in a couple, and I'm going to start having to, to, to look to see what I can get for him right now. Alan, uh, we certainly uh, can't thank you enough for hopping aboard the show uh, tonight and uh, congratulate you on all your success, not just in Dynasty, but in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. Wish you nothing but success. I know rookie drafts are coming up here in about a month and a half. I, I hope you enjoy them. I hope you enjoy drafting season this year. And hopefully we can reconnect real soon, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Alan. Alan Greenberg, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, free-time winner in the FFPC uh, Dynasty Leagues last year, and uh, as well as a uh, former league champ in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. Good stuff from him, Farrell. And, and this is back-to-back weeks, you know, we um, and I think I presented the the euphemism of killing your babies from a the, you know me going to J school before. This is one of the things that you have to understand is like you know even if you work on something, you cultivate it, you you turn it into something big. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to leave it on the side of the road. You have to be willing to uh, leave it for somebody else. And he talked about how he loves Derrick Henry, one of his favorite players to yep. to, to watch in the NFL. He's already, not only is he willing to trade him, Farrell, he's done it multiple times this year. Good advice for dynasty owners out there is don't get emotional about this. Sometimes it's all about the numbers. It's all about experience. It's all about um, what, what we've seen in the, in the NFL before because history oftentimes repeats itself. That it does. I, I, liked what he, I liked what he said as a caveat. He said, you won't get this trade next year. And so you'll mm-hmm. be left with it. With and, and I don't necessarily believe that Kamara is going to have an off year. I think he's going to have a terrific year. But the, as far as dynasty is concerned, yeah, I can see the writing on the wall for that. But I, I'm not ready to. Uh, I'm not ready to turn my head on uh, 
on Alvin Kamara. I think the thing is, is like, and and this is the temptation. You know, people listen to the show and like, oh my goodness, you know, we 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 heard Josh Batsman last week. We heard Alan Greenberg this week saying how much they want to get rid of Kamara, and it's not necessarily that they want to get rid of him, but they they want to trade him to because they believe his value is at its highest, right? And and this is the time to do it right now because you know, flash forward the calendar, 365 days maybe you're not getting that value anymore. And that could be, and, and maybe you still are. I don't know. Um, I, I am a big-time bag holder in Dynasty. I will hold the bag. I will yep. gladly hold on to the guy a year longer. But I, and, and, mm. and Farrell, and, and I don't know, I know you, you just started playing Dynasty, but I feel like I've done that at the receiver position more than I've done it at the running back position. And I think you can speak to this, too. There's a disparity in Dynasty between those two positions. Yes, and and that might be the way you would want to flip it. You would want to go young at that receiver position. I don't know. I've got a lot to figure out, and and I'm wondered. I'm curious about when trading starts after we've got a team. Uh, how I'm going to handle all these trade offers? You know, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's going, and and I can tell these guys own multiple multiple teams, so it's uh, it it's it's intriguing. It, it's uh, it's a little bit overwhelming. And and I can see why people that are good at it just absolutely love it. As he says, you know, this is what fantasy football is all about. He's getting on the phone just like a real general manager years ago. And uh, he's, you know, he doesn't know he's like a real general manager now. He's sending emails. But that's the way those guys are doing it, emails and Zoom <laughs> meetings. Totally true. Um, we're going to close out our show. Uh, one last thing, Farrell, I want to pick your brain about is, is this T.Y. Hilton signing in, in sure. Indianapolis. It's a, it's a one-year, $10 million contract. $8 million is actually guaranteed. Now, the Colts interviewed and, and talked to Sammy Watkins after he talked to Baltimore the previous day. Now, that mm-hmm. didn't come to fruition. They didn't sign Watkins. They, in, intended, uh, or, uh, they ended up signing uh, T.Y. Hilton. So you look at what Carson Wentz is throwing to in Indianapolis next year. It's going to be T.Y. Hilton. It's going to be Michael Pittman. It's going to be the Ohio State um, uh, product, Paris Campbell. And then, of course, Zach Paschal, who I think is being underrated in best ball drafts right now. Um, T.Y. Hilton is going to be 31 years old. This is his 10th season with the Colts. He had zero touchdowns coming into Week 11. He ends up finishing the season with five touchdowns. So he obviously came on strong at the end. Um, so you look at T.Y. Hilton with Carson Wentz this year as opposed to Phillip Rivers. And I'll tell you this right now, FFPC best ballers, have, they had been drafting T.Y. Hilton. I, I would expect this to go up, um, you know, as we look forward here. But T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 58 in the 16th round. Farrell, where does he finish among wide receivers this year in, in fantasy? Is he a top 35 receiver or is that being a little bit too aggressive? No, I think that's easy what he does. I think we have a player here that had some physical problems at the start of the year and also had the problems in that Rivers moves through his progressions too much. These guys were not a natural fit. Rivers had to basically, sometimes you can, as a seasoned quarterback, you can move through those too fast. Also, Rivers has a very slow release. This this player needs what what Carson Wentz has to create uh, extended plays, and when he finds them to to release the ball, uh, the quarterback. This is the greatest thing to happen. Uh, for this quarterback that possibly could. And it's it's really a 
it's good for it's good for the player. It's good for uh, the team. I think everybody is happy that this came together. Now, the player, as I understand it, left some very substantive money uh, on the table. So, T.Y. Hilton, despite the fact that this deal sounds good to us, T.Y. Hilton is doing what every fantasy player would like to see a player do. Here at 31 years old, he is betting on himself. And I, and I would say anyone in the fantasy world uh, should bet on T.Y. Hilton to have have a very, very good year. And, they, you know, they've got room for more receivers there. You're right, uh, uh, Pascal, uh, Paris Campbell. Um, they've got some things to prove, and they might develop with this quarterback. But, you know, there's there's a lot of talent at that receiver position, especially high in the draft. Um a lot, uh, there's still another receiver to help complete this story uh, in Indianapolis, but T.Y. Hilton is T.Y. Hilton's filling up most of the chapters, and it's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, you you really don't give eight million dollars guaranteed to a receiver unless you believe he is a big part of your 2021 season. I think the Colts believe that, and I think that you can get a pretty good deal on him uh, in Best Ball Dress right now. We always get a great deal on our co-host on this show each and every, uh, well, tonight's Thursday. Next week it'll be Friday. Yeah. Farrell Elliott, the KFFSC commissioner. Farrell, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I mentioned at the top of the show the draft masters uh, with the six-hour clocks are filling up. And then the run to daylight, that is going to be available to uh, KFFSC owners sometime on Saturday, right, that they can register and, and, and sign up for that uh, uh, contest. That is, and if you wanted to get started with us, if you never played in the KFFSC, this is a great place to get started. You'll see the level of competition, and I think it will uh, get your motor tuned for everything that's be forthcoming in the FFPC as we move through the year. So, so join us for this uh, spring contest. And you know what? Competing against Balky, I, I think that should sell it out right there. Everybody wants to hang around with you. <laughs> well, who who wouldn't want to be in an eleven team league with with me being the clown? And I'm totally, nah. I volunteer for that <laughs> every time. But, yeah, no, you're right. It's fun. I, I always love to compete against the listeners. Um, they are always a, 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 um, a vaunted competitor. They are always great competition. And I always look forward to it each and every year as uh, I look forward to each and every week doing this show with you, my friend. Thank you so much for popping on back-to-back Thursdays with you. I promise you. We'll be back on a regular schedule on Friday. Thanks so much, man. Have a great weekend, dude. You too, bud. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott. You follow the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at KFFSC. And remember to register for those leagues at KFFSC.com, including the Run to Daylight Championship, where you can win a four-figure grand prize as uh, for uh, for a very low price, as well as the Draft Masters, which – I, I, I told Farrell last week, I need to get signed up on this. These, this, these fantasy baseball auctions, they're slowing me down right now. Um, but once I get those out of the way, I'm sure I will be fast and furious in the KFFSC um, run to daylight, as well as the uh, Draft Masters, which I had been participating in basically since mid-January. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, Kern Reef, Hudson Kern Reef pointing out, uh, I am a returning champ in the run to daylight. I don't think I'm a returning champ in the run. To, I think I'm a returning champ in the checkered flag, uh, which is another one of the, uh, the contests that the Kentucky fantasy football state championship offers one five grand in that last year. That was fun. 
that was a big part of that, actually, ironically, was Alvin Kamara's six touchdowns on Christmas Day. I'll never forget that day watching that um, uh, over at uh, Mama and Papa Balkman's house uh, celebrating uh, Christmas Day and then watching Alvin Kamara make all my dreams come true in uh in fantasy football that was awesome it was an awesome show tonight ladies and gentlemen i certainly want to thank not only alan greenberg for participating tonight but our co-host Farrell elliott the ffpc and rob bryce of course each and every one of you i want to wish a special happy birthday to dave bouton he has been on this show before i want to say it was roughly like five years ago was the last time we had dave and john gustafson on um, a uh, former FFPC, well, um, multi-league, FFPC 750 uh, Dynasty Champions. Um, I've participated in private leagues with them before. Always fun with uh, Dave and John. Dave is celebrating uh, a birthday today. I won't say his age, um, but it's roughly around my age. Maybe he wouldn't care. But I'll just say a happy birthday to Dave Bouton tonight. We will be back as I teased with Farrell. We are no longer doing Thursday shows. Um, we are doing Friday shows going forward, probably up until the NFL draft. We might do a Wednesday show that week. But Friday shows back on 10-9 Central last, uh, next week, and uh, we'll have a great guest for you. I got a bunch of Dynasty owners I'm talking to trying to um, uh, schedule a, a great uh, FFPC Dynasty champ next week. That is at 10-9 Central. Remember, participate in bus ball leagues, Dynasty Orphans, myffpc.com or myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale to pick up one of those orphans for as little as a dollar. Dynasty startups still going on too, as well as the football guys early bird. Get that free $35 championship or $35 credit to your team account. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. So I already teased it, too. Tomorrow is not only my American League only fantasy baseball auction um, with with a bunch of guys I've been competing against for, again, the better part of two decades or so. But tomorrow, and I know Hudson Kern-Reeve cares about this because it's it's an MCU show, and I I haven't even talked to Hudson about WandaVision, but The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode two, coming out at 2 a.m. Friday morning. I'm not staying up for it tonight. I'll watch it tomorrow morning. Uh, But I'm very excited for that, and hopefully you're excited for it too. Thank you so much for listening tonight. I know we talked a lot about Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now the MCU, along with some fantasy baseball. Uh, You guys get it. It's uh, We we rotate our conversations quite a bit, and uh, hopefully Alan Greenberg made the show worth listening to tonight, as well as Farrell Elliott. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time.